Welcome everyone to another episode of the EQ Elevator podcast and today I have my second guest Wendy and Wendy is going to introduce herself in a bit but let me give you some background because so as you all know this is mainly a solo podcast but occasionally I have leaders in STEM, leaders in cyber security whom I admire, whom I respect, and who I share same values when it comes to building cyber resilience. And Wendy is one of them. So we met actually through someone else on LinkedIn. This is the power of LinkedIn, right? We didn't know each other. We've never met in person or virtually, but we were connected through someone else. And I think we've been connected for a year or so, and we followed each other's posts and newsletters. And I reached out recently to Wendy because I love her mission on reinventing yourself as a woman. And it inspired me to invite her and she accepted on my podcast. Welcome, Wendy. Wendy works in Yale University on cybersecurity awareness. And today we are specifically more going to discuss the role of women looking to pivot into cybersecurity. With that said, I'm just going to give you the floor, Wendy, so you can say a little bit more about yourself and what you do and how you got into Yale information security, specifically cyber awareness. First of all, thank you so much, Nadia. It is such an honor to be in conversation with you and have the opportunity to talk about a topic we both love, women in cyber and how we can encourage more women to start pursuing this growing field that has so many opportunities. Sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. A little background about myself. My name is Wendy Battles. I work at Yale University. As you mentioned, I am the Cybersecurity Awareness Advisor. And that means that I oversee our awareness program that we have for our Yale faculty, students, and staff. And our goal is to inspire people to think about their behavior and hopefully practice more cyber safe behaviors that keeps Yale data and IT systems safe. Because to be honest with you, our mission ultimately is to support the mission of the university, which is to teach and disseminate knowledge and to do groundbreaking research. And information security plays a role really behind the scenes in keeping all these important systems and this very confidential high-risk data that many people use, our world-class researchers, doctors, et cetera, keeping that information safe. So I feel like I have a little part to play in this very important mission for this outstanding university. So I I love that. And you asked me how I got into cyber, and I will tell you, it was not with intention. I did not say, I can't wait to have a career in cybersecurity. I wake not- up one day and laugh, today I'm going to be a today? cyber. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It was nothing like that, in fact, but... I did come to the university in 2008. I came within Information Technology Services, which is about 400 plus people. And within IT, what we call ITS, does live our Information Security Department, where I work now. But I actually came originally working in organizational change management. So 
I was working on technical projects and being the really the human side or the people side of this change. So helping people prepare for and adapt to system changes. So often changing the way they work. You know how that is. People don't like change. I sometimes don't like change. So I understand people's adverse reactions sometimes to change. It's not always pleasant. So I did that for 11 years. And it's interesting because it got to a point where I'd done the same thing for many years. It was getting a little stale. I really liked my job, but I felt like it was time for something else. And in January of 2019, I said to my boss, who was very much interested in her team growing, expanding, moving on to different things as appropriate, new opportunities. I said to her, Karen, this is the year that I'm going to be moving on. And I had no idea what that would be. I couldn't even conceive of it at the time. I just had a knowing that I was ready for a new challenge. And interestingly, because I do believe when we put it out to the universe, things come together in often unexpected ways. But several months later, I'd gone out at lunchtime. We have a truck that used to come to our office every, I think, second Wednesday of the month, something like that. And it was the cupcake truck. So it was this local bakery that made these delicious cupcakes. <laughs> I was standing in line waiting for the cupcakes and I saw a colleague and he said, Wendy, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. We are going to be hiring someone in a new position in the information security office and you would be perfect for it. It's going to be starting up an awareness program. And he said, you have this background in change management and communications, and you would be so good at this. And literally, as soon as he told me about it, and then he's a little while later, he sent me the job description. Nadia, I knew I was going to get that job. I just knew. Sometimes you have been knowing about something. Other times you might be feeling clueless, but other times you just know something feels right, even though I hadn't even interviewed or even submitted an application. But I just had this feeling. And lo and behold, even though it took many months because things happened very slowly at Yale, but I started that job in October of 2019. And I thought that it was really interesting because it's the perfect combination of all these great skills I have, public speaking, training, really influencing people, often without authority, motivating and inspiring people to think about their actions. And it was a great mix of that and my change management background in this new space, which I found really interesting because I didn't know a lot about cybersecurity before then. And I'm not obviously a technical person, but it has been such a perfect fit, this marriage of these skills and this opportunity. And to do something in a way that really lights people up, that's not your typical, okay, just don't click on these links. Just we found really creative ways because I'm a very creative person. So it's been a, such a fantastic way to marry these skills I love and I have with content that we can present in an engaging way to engage the community, because I think that's so important. You have to engage people if you want them to change their behavior. It can't just be like, just do this. That's boring. We have to do it in a way that engages. Yeah. And I, first of all, I love how you present it. And I love, I, I also believe when the universe has a plan, you just know. And I'd love 
for you to share your insight because one of the struggles I believe many women face, perhaps men as well, but I faced for a very long time until I got over them, is our how we view ourselves and our limiting beliefs. And even though, for example, we know something is meant to be, then we get in our own way. <laughs> I often got in my own way because of call it imposter syndrome and limiting belief. But it, in essence, if we use a very practical framework, which I like to use in this podcast, my self-regard of where I saw myself didn't match yet where I was and where and we tend to get stuck on where we are now versus growing to where we are and really having confidence and being proud of our abilities and showing that. So actually my question is maybe twofold is first, how do you deal or how do you deal with, how would you advise to other women in overcoming those limiting beliefs specifically for this field? Because still there is a majority who thinks it's very technical and boring. And I totally agree with you that it's not, it doesn't have to be, or at least not the part that is related to getting people to change. And also how to encourage women to be confident. We love engaging with women who write posts and are a bit overusing humility and like underplaying small because this is what we're used to. And then we all like it. But I believe, no, you have to own who you are. The difference between confidence and arrogance is humility. But it's I think it's not done enough yet. That just own who you are, quiet confidence, as I call it, and present yourself in such a way. I would love to hear your insights when it comes to how we view ourselves in these two aspects. Yeah, that's, those are really great questions. And I think the first thing I would say to build my own confidence is I like to write down periodically all the things I think I'm really good at. And I know sometimes, again, we might be a little humble about it. I don't know, me, who, me. But the reality is if we actually sit down and we made a list of all the things where we feel like we're at least decent, maybe there are things where we shine. Maybe there are other things where at least we have an understanding of things. And maybe there's also a list of here's some things I'd like to work on or I'd learn. But I think part of this idea of feeling more confident is beginning to get a little perspective about our lives, like our work lives, for example. We often have done more than we think. We're often more accomplished than we think. And often, even when other people tell us we don't believe it, and or we might be like, oh, who me? I know that women, sometimes it's hard for us to accept compliments. Or we'll say, not really. We downplay it to your point. And I think that when we can see for ourselves. Sometimes we have to see for ourselves because people can tell us all kinds of things, but if we don't believe it, it doesn't matter. So I think that when we can begin to see the things that we've done, so it could be making a list of your accomplishments. You don't have to be like an award-winning, whatever. It could just be, I'm really good at this. Or last year, I accomplished these five things. So far this year, I've done X, Y, and Z. Here are the things I love to do. Here are the things I feel like I'm good at. And maybe there's even a column of, here are the things that other people tell me I'm good at or have complimented me about. Because I think we need to see some evidence for ourselves because we have to convince ourselves. It's not enough for someone to say, Nadia, you're so good at X. You're amazing at X. Because if I'm not very confident, I'm like, oh, not really. So it, it to me, it's all about how we start to own that feeling. And I feel like, owning those feelings 
And then also feeling like we can dream bigger starts within us. It starts with us acknowledging and being okay with the fact that it's okay for me to shine. I don't have to play so small. What good is that doing anybody? Right. When we can be, because I think that we can be role models for other people when we find our groove. And I do believe also that confidence comes when we find that thing where we shine. And it's so much easier to me, Nadia, to feel that kind of confidence, to feel much more certain about my ability when I find that thing that feels right to me. And I just knew, like I knew in this case with this job that this was for me. And maybe it's because I had all these years of experience. I had a track record of doing really amazing work. So that built confidence. I often save when people send me emails but I call it kudos, like you did a great job at something. I put all of those things into a folder. And when I'm having a moment of, I don't know about this, this is a great way for me to go back and to be to remind myself. Because we all have moments where we feel less confident, we feel less sure of ourselves. That's just natural. And there's an ebb and flow to everything. But to have something that I can go back to to remind me, yes, Wendy, you're not this is you're not just making this up. Other people think this. It reminds me that it's, it is true. So I think that there are many different ways that we can begin to look at ourselves and see what we've done that can build that confidence. And I feel like the more that we do that, the more that we can really step into our own, not just feel confident, but to feel yes, that kind of yes, I'm doing this. Now, of course, it's not always easy to do that. And I believe that is a journey that can unfold over time. It's not like I'm going to push a button and be like, oh, okay, all of a sudden I'm confident if I haven't been feeling that way. But I think that as we take small steps, we can build our confidence and then we can feel more confident to go to the next step. I think the other thing we can do that I found really useful in the past is to talk to people. And if there's something that you want to do, so let's say you're thinking, oh, cybersecurity, that's really interesting, but I don't know anything about cybersecurity. What can you do to learn more about it? Because I think when we know more about things, we can feel, start to also feel more confident that, oh, I could pursue that. And here's just an example. We can leverage LinkedIn to build confidence because we can reach out to people, either ask someone we know for an introduction to someone else. Or reach out to someone maybe we're already connected with, but never really had a kind of conversation, just like you reached out to me and we had a conversation. So interesting you mentioned right? that because I have a long career and I'm quite confident and and being an entrepreneur has gotten me out of my comfort zone. But one of the things I'm very, like you, very creative, and I was focused on the creative side in an imbalanced way. I was doing and producing too much. And one of the traps I felt in Maybe it's the self-regard when we don't necessarily feel confident in something or when it's new, we overdo it. We do too much. So we make sure yeah. that versus, but that decreases perceived value, actually. But I was doing outreach, but I wasn't doing outreach as a sustained, how you would do it as an entrepreneur. So I met someone who is working with me as a growth partner, a brilliant young man. I think sometimes we meet people he like, pushed me he's german 20 looms a day <laughs> i'm like i'm traveling i don't care he's i like, love it and i was like and it was uncomfortable and wow. i didn't want to do it i love connecting with people but for me having and this is where 
writing and understanding your thought process is so important because I was bold in NATO. And in NATO, you were selling kind of the value. The you, it's, It has an institutional umbrella. It was an, an institution. As an entrepreneur, you have to be bold in a different way. Yeah. This was unfamiliar to my mind. Most of the work I got was through mouth. Now I have to be careful how I pronounce this. Mouth to mouth. Do we say mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Mouth to mouth? Yeah. yeah. No, mouth to ear marketing. Mouth to ear. <laughs> Math to math is like CPR. <laughs> I'm going to edit this out because it's a nice blunder of Nadia. I mean mouth-to-mouth marketing. I meant mouth-to-ear yeah, marketing. Yeah, yeah. And that's I love how it. I like got my... But you need to set up... A, so that, I think, is interesting you mentioned it. And surprisingly, people loved it. Not everyone. Not everyone responds. But a lot of people said, oh, this is so nice. It's the human touch. It gave me more confidence as I got the feedback. I connected with people who I hadn't spoken in years and I became more confident. And now I just enjoy it actually. And the thing is to, this comes to the second point, second floor is when we pivot into a career in cybersecurity, which may be different. I think the other element is how we perceive, others perceive us, the fear of judgment, the fear of... How will we be seen? What will people think if I don't have a technical background? I would love to hear what your experience is, but I believe that it is our own judgment initially, because when we clear out our own judgment, then it doesn't matter which necessarily. It, you still care, but you're not defined by it. I don't think we can say, I used to say it, but I don't think we can say, I don't care what people think. Obviously, we care what people think, otherwise right. we connected as social beings. How do we do, how do we, uh, are not defined by what people think? Uh, That's a really great question. And I do think it goes back to that confidence that you're talking about. And as we get more of it, it's easier to stand in our power. I think for women, especially when people question us often or think we're not as competent or whatever it might be, but when we can stand our own power and we feel really good and we know our stuff, then it's so much easier to navigate those things and not get that imposter syndrome and be like, yep, I'm doing it. Because I certainly have felt that way before where I felt like, oh, I'm not sure about this. But when you know your stuff, then it makes all the difference in the world. And we can much more easily grow into that with complete confidence. So yes, you might have to practice that those feelings but I, one of the things I always tell people that I really try to do is to have a mindset of do it scared and do it anyway. Yeah. yeah. That we often are trying new things and and it, there's nothing wrong with being scared or nervous about doing something new and different. That's natural to me. I think it's when we let it hold us back that it it doesn't help us because even if we fail at something, I failed at so many things. But those failures always are helping me on this path to success. Sometimes they're the detours I needed to reroute and maybe move in a different direction. But it's always, I believe, whenever we're doing something, we're learning. There's an opportunity if we're paying attention to apply lots of lessons to things. And I don't think this is any different. So the more confidence we get, I feel like, the stronger we can be and really stand in that space. And one other thing that I'll say 
is that if someone, if you, if there's something that you want to do, or you're curious about, or you don't know, or if you see someone who's doing something, and sometimes I think that we can feel envious of people. They're doing something that I want to do. Oh, I wish I could, or I wish I had thought of that idea. But I feel like instead of feeling jealous about something that someone might be doing that we want to do, get curious about that thing and ask that person questions or write to them or find out more about it. Like we can use that, though sometimes those negative feelings we have and turn those around into something that can help us move forward in that career, like in cyber and help build our confidence. So I think there's lots of different ways we can do that, but I believe it all starts from within. Yeah. And one thing, one thing that I love that you mentioned that because it's normal to be envious and it's even normal to be jealous, but how do you turn it around? So how I always do it because I also get envious because I'm ambitious. When you are envious or jealous, it means that it's a desire within you that is unfulfilled. And when I see someone else doing it, and especially it's so important for us women to not let our jealousies take the worst out of us. I always say, thank you for showing me what is possible. Yes. Because if you can, they can do it, then I can do it too. Thank you for showing me what is possible. And then what do I need to learn? What do I need to Yes. Well, who can I ask? But this is, if I feel very strongly about it, it means it's a desire in me. And I, there is a gap between where I am and where that person is. But thank you for showing me what's possible. And the other thing I think a lot of people in general, but maybe also women, is the dark side of women empowerment, is that we should celebrate each other, even when we feel stuck or down, even like even at times when I'm not where I am want to be, or when I was really in a very, I've been in many assholes in my life, but <laughs> I, I really pay attention to how I talk about others or see, I still wish everyone well, because that energy, I truly believe it comes back to you. If you cannot be happy for other people, if then your success is not necessarily sustainable or it's not something that is real, that's from in. And it's not yes. matata, but it's really understanding, celebrate people's successes, even if you're not where you want to be. There are so many problems in the world. Everyone can shine their light. There's too much darkness. We don't need, we, just because someone shines bright doesn't mean someone else can shine. Deal with your issues. Get over your mommy and daddy issues and shine bright. Yes. Look at women and, you know, who are trailblazer. Thank you for showing me what's possible. And use those negative emotions to propel you forward. This is the mindset. Absolutely. I, oh my gosh, yes. I agree 100% completely. And you are so right about that, that when we celebrate other women, we're also celebrating ourselves. And and that you're so right too, that when you see someone who's doing something that you want to do, that's what I always think too. Now I always think, oh, if they're doing it. I can do that too. I just haven't figured it out yet. So you are so right about that because one of my goals is to have a TV show. And I thought, I don't know anything about that yet, but there are many, I don't know how to be a podcaster until I figured it out. And everything is figure outable if we have the desire, if we want to do it. There's always a way. And I think that when we are open to figuring something out and it doesn't have to be, we don't have to control it so much. I'm only going to do it this way. But when we're open to a career in cyber, but not knowing how it might manifest, but we begin to put feelers out and start telling people we trust I want to have a career in cyber. It is amazing 
help doors open up and opportunities present themselves. And maybe not even so specifically for a job, but an opportunity to meet someone that might know someone else. And I think that is so key, that open, curious mindset about how we can have this dream, but don't have to be so prescribed about how it might unfold makes a really big difference in helping us get there. It's something I'm learning the hard way, but <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more. I'd love to pivot more as to the fourth floor, actually, which is from a business perspective, because you have your own podcast where you invite and interview women midlife age who are pivoting their career. I recently saw a snapshot of someone who left everything and was traveling and I got a desire in me because I think that is something that maybe I want to do, which is currently reality is I do have offspring that's 10 year old. So it's not necessary. But then, <laughs> not, then yet, I, not yet, not yet. But then I see Beyonce doing her world tour and having her daughter like dancing in front. I'm like, who knows, right? Everything is possible. I'm not going to dance, but maybe I can do homeschooling or whatever it is. But besides the point, I think it's important also to understand a lot of women may think, what benefit do I have for the organization? Why would an organization hire me? When we talk about bridging the talent gap, I think we make the mistake looking at young talent, like digital natives. While we need more now is not necessarily older talent, but more experience, more resilience to teach and resilience to the younger generation and to bring that Someone said this week, I'd rather be stuck in the elevator with someone who knows what to do when S hits the fan. And that comes from often not from books, but from life experience. When you have been in situations where S had hit the fan, you want someone that has that confidence, that composure. And that comes also, I believe, with age and experience. And especially when we look at cyber in preparedness and cyber resilience, this is so important so for, within this context, what would you give women as key insights who are looking to go into cyber to focus on this aspect of cyber, perhaps, and how businesses can benefit from hiring these women? I think that we can look to, you know, what an organization is looking for, because we probably have more of those things than we think. I believe that we can really take stock of all of our experience and our wisdom and really be able to sell ourselves and fill a niche in the organization. So beginning to step back, get that perspective, match that our own perspective with the needs of the organization, because you're right, you know, it's such a growing field and it can't just be all young people, which is important because I think we all bring such different perspectives But I do believe that we can take those skills and match them up to an organization that values those things. And so I think also part of it is understanding beyond just the role in cyber, whatever that might be, what are the values of this organization? And do those values really match my values? How can I add value to that organization based on the things that they deem important more globally? not just in that necessarily department or position in cyber, but also organization-wise. 
what are those things that are really important? And how can I help advance those things or support those values that this organization has deemed important? So I do believe part of it is not just being able to express to a manager, our potential boss, all those things that we can bring cyber-wise, but also trying to think on that larger, more macro level, let me see if I can find a good fit. Let me understand the organization and their values. And then let me really express to them as eloquently as possible what I can bring to the table. I love it. I love it. I recently did a workshop where on the bridging cyber talent gap. And I said it's, and I gave example of a very technical job requirement, how to communicate internally. So the subject matter expert who's writing the job description often is on in agreement, can understand it, but you have to tell this story that people feel inspired that they're not only going to be valued because of their technical skills, of their leadership abilities people want to feel that they are being used to their potential and the technical skills alone is not going to inspire necessarily people to feel fulfilled in their journey so it's like really fusing the two one is not an opposition of the other and it's all the art of communication it's having the technical foundation but we are now dealing with human beings so how are we yes manage that so true. And I think that no matter what it is we do, no matter what field we're in, I do think that one of the most important skills that any of us can have is communication because it's critical to every single thing in life. It's critical to managing expectations, whether it's at work with our coworkers or in our families, in a relationship, you name it, right? We all have to learn how to communicate, hopefully as effectively as possible. And I'll say, Nadia, there's some areas where I'm great at it and no work in progress. <laughs> I was going to say, I, was gonna say I, I believe in emotional intelligence, but when I'm with my son offspring, like today, I mean, my emotional intelligence is quite low. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's just amazing how- Intentional like, about it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that just like anything, we can be great at something and we can have areas to work on, but it doesn't mean that we can't do it. Exactly. Right? exactly. We have to practice. Exactly. And, I, and this is where I think as in general, as mothers, I mean, we, this is if you are trying to get back into a career, where in this case, we're talking about cyber, but I think there's so much stress tolerance, so much multitasking and project management that goes in and being a working mother and trying to educate and grow an actual human being who doesn't listen and grow. Yeah. So that those skills are actually really important in the workplace today. So you bend and like um, the best anger management and conflict <laughs> skills I mastered is with my son. I literally, he, when he has his epic crises, if I'm energetically okay, meaning I have slept well and everything, I can stay really rooted as a mountain now. It doesn't affect me as before I did because I trained my, he helped me, he taught me those skills actually. So I think there's a lot of similarities where we understand what the organization is looking for, but communicating, as you said, in such a way that you provide an added value and that they also see you as an added value. I think often when we go into interviews, it is we interview with a job, but we should also interview the organization. Are you the 
employer I want to work with because I value myself enough to understand, will you be a right partner for me? It's a two-way street. And if we don't do this, you may end up somewhere where you're going to have low quality of life at work. Your organization loses on productivity. You are losing on fulfillment in life. Yeah, it's so true. And I think it's like dating or being in a relationship. I haven't dated in five years, so I am not an expert in giving <laughs> I think it's that idea we don't want to settle, right? We want to go to a place just like we want to be in a relationship with someone who we feel like is worthy of who we are. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's the same thing when it comes to finding that right fit with an employer because we never want to approach it from desperation. Same thing with a relationship, right? We don't want to come in feeling right. like I'm looking all desperate. Oh my God, I have to find some money. We want to feel come into that relationship feeling confident in ourselves and it is no different when it comes to this job. And and it's very similar because often we're embarking on something new. You don't, you know, you can only know so much when you get into a relationship. You can only ask so many questions until you have the experience of being with this person, which is no different than exactly. a job. Yeah, You can only tell so much from when you get to the interview and you interview them, just like they're interviewing you. You have to go based on, to get started, you have to go based on what you can perceive and how things feel. And then you get into it and you get a better sense of things. But I think to your point, Nadia, we don't want to sell ourselves short. We don't want to just take any job. We want to make sure it's the right fit because we put so much time and energy into our work life. We spend so much time working that we don't want that or balance. We don't want to feel overly stressed out. We don't want to feel unhappy. And I know, especially for younger people, like when I was young, you don't know much about working period. You only learn as you go. So obviously to your point you made earlier about experience can really help guide us, but at the beginning you don't have a lot. So you have to trust your gut and try to do that thing you're talking about of both being interviewed and interviewing the organization too. I do believe that makes a difference because we're trying to find that fit and we get better at it like dating over time exactly and i think that when coming back to dating or relationship it's like for me it was a very conscious choice to stay single and i always say being single doesn't mean you're available because it it allows you to really think things through and be very clear on what you want and how you want to feel in your core values which is similarly in a job because experience is necessary but if we go into a relationship or in a job interview with desperation, we're not thinking clearly. We're not reflecting. It's the emotion that drives it. And we should feel emotion in going in a relationship or going for a new job. But we have to like really reflect and come from a place of worth and not wound. Uh, maybe a bit too deep, but if we are in desperation, it means that not only can we are we in a place that we can negotiate our salary, in the right way because the employer will think ah, okay they will accept anything and be and the perceived value as well you really have to believe in your own value you have to internalize it and do the inner work so that is also what is projected because a lot of women i believe and especially maybe younger women are selling themselves short because this is maybe what we've taught or they are selling themselves short yes experience is important but it's really understanding what are my strengths, what are my blind spots, and coming from a place I have as much to offer as you have to offer. I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I also think that feedback is a gift. So when someone offers us feedback about something, I know sometimes it's hard to hear and sometimes we can get defensive. 
But I think, again, if we can approach things with a spirit of curiosity, I'm curious about what they said. Do other people experience this? Have I felt this way myself? What are some examples of this? We can apply this these ideas in many different ways to build our confidence. And sometimes getting feedback is one of the best things that can happen to us, even though I know it doesn't feel like that in the moment. But when we can step back and get perspective, we can see that it is a gift and that person is there to help us grow. Exactly. I was very defensive in the past when feedback, it felt very triggering. And when I did the inner work of understanding my triggers and sorted it out, now I seek feedback. I value it. still feels uncomfortable. I still go out. But for me, it really helps me. Like some of the feedback I got completely were like a game changer. Like I didn't even think of it, which was so important. So I think definitely feedback. It's okay to feel uncomfortable. It's okay to go on your high horses. Yeah. about it and it's okay but even criticism just reflect is this something i need to work on or is this no this is coming from you can tell the difference if someone is offering genuine feedback and has your best interest at heart or if someone is projecting their own insecurities if you take a step back and you yes. reflect you can tell the difference and if someone is projecting their own insecurities have empathy because they are at a different place in life than you are. And, you know, they need to deal with their own insecurities. It's not a fun place to be. So just let it go and move on. This is what I always say, use your energy to, to build yourself up. And we, I could go on for hours with you, Wendy. I think we, this is awesome. so amazing. I love it. I love it. Me too. We're coming to an end. So I think what are our, some of maybe your top three takeaways or something you want to leave the audience with and inspire them to to believe in themselves no matter their age. And now I'm putting yeah. words in your mouth. No, absolutely. I, you the floor. I love it. I love it. One is look within. It all starts within. We are all have deep wells of wisdom within us. And I believe that when we get more quiet... And we can tune into what's going on, which is hard in a world that's so busy and we multitask. But when we can do that, we can get wisdom about so many things to help guide our path. So that's one is look within. Two is self-permission. So often women don't give themselves permission to do things, to dream bigger, to think that something is possible. And for me, it all starts with this idea of self-permission. I give myself permission to explore X. I give myself permission to explore a career in cyber, even though I don't know what the outcome might be. I give myself permission to lean into those things where I shine and to try to attract opportunities that are a good fit. So looking within self-permission. And the third thing is what I call a reinvention dream team. You could call it finding your tribe, but finding people that believe in you too. There are so many negative people. We all have people in our lives that might say, why do you want to do that? Oh, that's so ambitious. Why are you dreaming so big? But we don't want those people. We want the people that when you tell a trusted friend or colleague I want to do X. And they're like, yes, you should do X. And you should talk to these three people. 
we want to surround ourselves with people that believe in us the way we believe in us, or that when we have a moment of not believing in ourselves, we can go to those people and they can remind us of our inner greatness. They can remind us about that dream we have. They can help us refocus on what we want to do and that they are in our corner, Nadia, cheering us on. So one, right? Look within number one, two, give ourselves that permission, and three, form a dream team of super fans, Nadia's super fans. Who are Nadia's super fans? I right? invite you to be uh, my dream team, Wendy, because I'm I love, your dream team. I, love, I, love, I love everything you said. You have such a warm, nice, uplifting energy. It's just, it's really, it's completely changed my energy already from my day. So, I want to be around people more who are like you. So thank you for that. Yeah. Oh, you're very welcome. And yes, I will be on your team. Great. I would be happy to. Great. Thank you. This was, it was too short, but it was amazing. I hope that this episode will inspire women who are either looking at career in STEM, specifically cyber, but in general, science, technology, engineering, and maths organizations to reflect as well that women who are middle-aged have a lot of value to offer as well and that that we should give ourselves permission and be more confident in ourselves be more bold and and embrace that fire within us be unapologetic about who we are and not play so small and we'll close with a quote that i love and I have to make sure that I don't mess up the quote, but you're denying the world your gifts if you play small, something like that. You're denying the world your gifts when you play small. When you're not shining, you're, there will always be people, a portion of people who will have something to say, but you have no idea who you inspire, what path you are paving, and you are born with unique talents and gifts. And there's a reason why that you are born with these unique talents and gifts for you to express them. And if you're going to keep them buried inside of you because you think Joe, John, Donna, will, what will they think? Then you're doing yourself this service and the world. And I think that's something to always remember that when we die, five minutes before we die, what will we tell ourselves? Oh, yes, that's profound. It's deep, profound, but it really grounds us and gives us perspective because sometimes we get so caught up in worrying in the little things. Am I good enough? Am I this? Am I that? When you're dying, five minutes before you die, what would you tell yourself? That gives you perspective you need because it takes us out of autopilot and remember the bigger perspective in life that this is just a chapter. It's not our life. We can write our story. Mm -hmm. Trying to close this episode, but I can go for another round and maybe we will. But I thank you it. so much, Wendy, for joining. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, thank thank you. you. It was a pleasure. Before we quit, how can people get in touch with you and find you and also listen? I will leave the link to your podcast as well in the description. Absolutely. Multiple ways. I'm all over social media. People can find me on LinkedIn, simply Wendy Battles. I've got two podcasts that people can follow. Be Cyber Fit is the name of my podcast in cybersecurity, which is about simplifying cybersecurity for everyone. So it's really for our Yale community, but we have listeners all over the world. 
who are gaining new information and getting a basic understanding of some cybersecurity related topics. And I also have another podcast, which is called Reinvention Rebels. Reinvention Rebels. It is stories of brave and unapologetic women, 50 to 90 years young, who have reinvented themselves in bold ways. And I interviewed the most extraordinary women is Nadia, who are doing remarkable things later in life and definitely have that self-permission mindset and that mindset that it's never too late and I'm never too old. So you can, yeah. And of course, both podcasts are on all of the major podcast platforms. And you can also find me on social media on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you. Thank you, Wendy. It was a true pleasure having you on. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so honored. And thank you so much, Nadia. Thank you for tuning into the EQ Emotional Intelligence Elevator Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and gained valuable insights into the world of emotional intelligence. To learn more about Thrive with EQ and Nadia's mission to build stronger, more resilient workplaces through higher levels of emotional intelligence, visit our website at thrivewitheq.com. You'll find a plethora of EQ leadership resources, tools, and services to help you and your organization thrive. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends and colleagues. As always, keep thriving with EQ.